0: Will the New England Patriots trade third-year quarterback Mac Jones? That's the talk of the town right now. If they do, how will it affect their 2023 NFL Draft? We'll discuss it next on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You are Locked
1: On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day we we'll
0: Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, your daily podcast covering your favorite draft prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy Damian Parson. Always on the ones and twos. You can find me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. I'm a national scout with the draft network and your favorite and local running back guru. And we can't talk championship things, especially with a big-time champion that we're going to talk about in this show. Without my boy Keith Sanchez, the champ himself, you can find him on Twitter at the Talent Code, keep talking to him, baby.
1: Yes, yes, locked on, family. What's going on, man? This is Keith Sanchez, senior draft analyst with the draft network, man. And like DP says, man, 2019. 2019- National champ, yes, those LSU Tigers, but guess what? You know why the dynamic duo is here. Myself, Damian Parsons, we're here to bring you championship level content surrounding the NFL draft, baby, whether that's prospects, whether that's philosophies, whether that's analysis of a DP, man, we have a hell of a slate getting started, man. We have we have Coach coaching Up, right? Our segment that we introduced last week, we have Ryan Fowler's big board, man. We're going to look at the edge rushers that big board position and break down how we feel about those rankings, but um first we have to get started, man, with the Patriots. There are talks of them shopping Mac Jones and how that's going to affect their overall draft philosophy and moving forward with the New England Patriots, but before we get started, man, let's let's throw out this title sponsor and give our guys a shout out.
0: Oh, for sure, man. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Man, Keith, when I saw the the report from Mike Florio, uh, I think it was uh, a day ago, that the the Patriots were shopping or have taken calls. This situation with Mac Jones and the Patriots have been kind of tumultuous since... Really, since last season, Keith, when the reports started kind of funneling that in and coming out that Mac Jones called some of the, the coaches, his old coaches at Alabama, right? Because the whole no real offensive coordinator or you had a special teams coach in Joe Judge and then the defensive coach, that's Matt Patricia, as his offensive coordinator. Keith, when you, when, when you think about this, for one, I'm going to ask you to kick it off. Do you believe that they're shopping Mac Jones?
1: Yes I do. I do. Um because Bill has won numerous Super Bowls and championships. Um what happened with Mac Jones, right? And Mac Jones is a champion in his own right in college mm-hmm. football though, right? And what happened last year, um it's what almost everybody predicted to happen, right? You had Matt Patricia and and Joe Judge calling plays, guys, that's not even offensive coordinators. And it looked bad, right? And usually With those type of situations, there's a trust, right? There's a head coach, OC, combination of trust. And if Mac Jones sees something, he's like, I don't trust these guys anymore. It's hard to get that trust back, even if Mac Jones is not the head coach, right? If Bill Belichick, I mean, even if um, Joe Judge and and, uh, Matt Patricia are not the offensive coordinator anymore and Bill Belichick is still the head coach, Bill Belichick has to handle it the right way. And maybe he didn't, right? Maybe there were conversations had that, He didn't handle it the right way. Mac Jones has come from University of Alabama, right, which is the Patriots of college football where we win championships. There's a standard of performance, and everybody's held accountable when it's both players, coaches, equipment staff, ball guys, right? Everybody's held accountable. And if they were not held accountable as coaches, then Mac Jones could be like, you know what? I'm the hell up out of here. I'm cool with you shopping me because I don't want to be here.
0: No, I I think they're shopping them too, Keith. And we all know that the Patriot way – one piece of the Patriot way is having a code of silence, right? Understanding, like, you can't talk outside of the walls, that the four or five walls of the building. Yeah. Like, you can't. Even if it's talking to Nick Saban and, like, coaches that are close to Belichick, you still for one, it doesn't, like, it's not a smart move because you know it's going to get back to Bill, first right,
1: like, you going, like, you you telling on
0: me? Like, that's one of the things, <laughs> right. What he said. like, right. Well, you going to tell on me? You're going to like. go snitch to Nick? Like, but it's like, you know, you know that that's not going to work in your favor. So, now, I would say, should do, I believe they should. Shop Mac, no, I, I feel like they should try and work this out, Keith, but, and I feel like Bill and, and, and that organization have to understand, like, man, you put that young man in a tough spot last year. You just, we just talked, you just talked about it. Our defensive coordinator and special teams coach, two failed head coaches as co-offensive coordinators. That doesn't make sense. It's really not something that you see every day in the league, and, and especially for a young man that his offensive coordinator went to Vegas to, to coach the Raiders, right? So I don't think they should shop him, Keith, but if they were to shop him, how does this impact their draft?
1: Yeah, uh, so... Everybody talked about it. I thought the perfect fit would have been in Las Vegas with his former offensive coordinator with Josh McDaniels. That would have just made too much sense, right? And then mm-hmm. they they basically, I, I mean, would you just swap first round picks, right? You swap Mac Jones for, you know, whatever the, the Las Vegas Raiders seventh round pick. I mean, seventh overall pick and call it even. Like, I, I think that just makes the most sense. And we, because the Raiders, they were in the hunt for a quarterback anyway, right? So you got your quarterback. The Patriots need a quarterback. So now you're sitting at number seven. You could possibly take a quarterback or you can, you know, sign one of these veterans, uh, you know, but you have the number seven overall pick that you can make happen with some other pieces. So I think that the trade makes sense. And you talk about roster building, right? I, I think for the Patriots, is, is Bill Belichick at the point? to where he's saying I need a difference maker, right? Like, or I need, like, a, a another level of a dude, you know, to be able to do what I want to do and play my style of football. And I would ask, even in the draft, if sitting at the number seven pick, right, if you trade with the Raiders, I mean, are you going to find that guy, right? Like, because you, right. like, mo- most likely C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be off the board. So you're sitting at Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Are these guys that you think are going to step in year one, day one, and be total difference makers for you, which I don't think so. And listen, Cam Newton, when Cam Newton was with the Patriots, he was definitely older, right? But it's like, how did that match and how did that mesh as far as putting a big, powerful quarterback that you can run QB power and things like that? Like, how would that kind of play out? Do they want to go down that road again? Because they set Cam Newton to bring in Mac Jones, if I believe. I'm pretty sure that's how that transition happened.
0: No, that's exactly how it happened, and I feel like at the at the end of the day, you have bigger fish to fry. If if you're New England, you need you need to fix you need to uh, add some tackle help you know, on the offensive line. I think Trent Brown's entering. Uh, Trent Brown's the left tackle. I believe he may be entering the the, the last year of his last deal. Yeah. You know, what I mean, you sign Riley who who's a, a good stopgap at right tackle, but maybe you draft a tackle at 14, and then you move. Trent Brown, because he's played both left and right in New England, because he's been in New England twice. So you can move Trent Brown back to right tackle if you need to, you know what I mean, to where now you have yourself two good tackles, right? And then you can kind of figure out that contract situation. And then add some... We know that this team is devoid of receivers. Now, yes, you brought in Mike Gasecki and I've I've read the report, Keith, that they don't plan on asking to do a lot of blocking. They plan on making them more of like a big receiver, which is is good, right? You got Hunter Henry as tight end. Tyquan Thornton, you know Juju Smith-Schuster, oh, but you you don't have a number one. So it's like maybe at fourteen instead of to go and tackle, maybe you go a, a Quentin Johnston and give Mac Jones a weapon he hasn't had. You know what I mean? A guy that can make plays at the catch point, big body, but also has the speed to threaten vertically. At the end of the day, they have to do better around the young man too. Now, am I Keith? I'll tell you, I wasn't when Mac Jones came out. I wasn't a big fan. Of, I did, I graded him as a second round player. You know what I mean? I felt like he was a ready-made guy that didn't have a high ceiling, right? The ceiling was the floor, whatever Michael Jordan said in, that, in the stadium that day. You know what wow. I mean? Uh, <laughs> the ceiling was the floor to me. I was like, he doesn't have a high ceiling. But it's like, okay, for guys that don't have high ceilings, you got to give them as much talent as possible, right? You look at Tua, we've seen it, man. Give guys like that help. And I feel like if you give him enough weapons, you can start to make some 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 leeway and some headway in this conference, because at the end of the day, you got to beat Josh Allen and you're not going to beat Josh Allen two times or even three times. if you do make it to the playoffs with this current offense, Keith.
1: Yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree. And listen, we're talking about the New England Patriots. This thing will continue to, uh, you know, kind of figure itself out. Right. And I I, I've They, there may be a draft day trade, and Mac Jones may be on a move. Come draft day, it'll be some final minute type things, and which way to spice up the draft, right? Mm-hmm. But man, we talked about the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and you know he loves defense and he loves edge rushes, man. So you know what right. we got to do? We are going to get into Ryan Fowler's top ten edge rushes for the twenty twenty three. Fowler, class. yeah, we're gonna pick that thing apart, man. We're gonna pick that thing apart, pull it apart, agree, disagree, and we're gonna let them know exactly how we feel about it. Coming up next.
0: The NBA playoffs are almost here, guys. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel's America's number one sportsbook because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 as bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, all you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores, the threes drained. I'm talking player points, rebounds, spreads, All of it. You name it, they have it. And plus, FanDuel allows you to combine your bets and the chance of a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Ryan Fowler's big boy. And, Keith, not only big boy, we're looking at these edge rushers, man. So, Keith, I got it pulled up here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through this top ten, and I'm going to list them all from one to ten real quick, Keith. Ryan Fowler has, number one, determining himself, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. Number two, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Number three, Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Forrest Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Five is out Team. a Ad- team. Oh, I hate starting to say this kid's name. Ado Abare, Tommy, that's what I'm going to call him, out of Northwestern, because I cannot get that first name right. to saved my life. Number six is Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Number seven is uh, Felix Anuduike Uzama out of Kansas State. Uh, number eight is BJ Ojulari from your LSU Tigers. Number nine is my guy Derek Hall out of Auburn. And number 10 is Will McDonald the Fourth out of Iowa State, Keith. After listing off that, t- that top 10, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: Yeah, I I start with number, is it number four? Miles Murphy sitting at number four. I don't think this guy's getting his his, his just due, man. If you ask me, he's sitting at number four and he's behind Tyree Wilson and Nolan Smith, he should be number two. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this guy shows up well against the run. And I think his upside as a pass rusher is proven. You see it, right? Like with Nolan Smith, Limited amount of sacks, right, with Tyree Wilson. Limited amount of sacks. This guy is a like he is a pass rusher. You see him get after the quarterback. You see him drop in coverage. He offers versatility. It's just a clear case of out of sight, out of mind. He finally did his pro day. Was it yesterday or the yesterday. day before uh, yesterday? Uh, yeah, start- this week. Yeah, so he's starting to build that buzz up once again. But I, I, I think the if I had to go ahead and follow, man, it's, it's Miles Murphy sitting at number four. It just don't sit right with me. <laughs> Keith, uh, what doesn't sit right with me is, is
0: that Tyree Wilson is on this list at all. Because I don't view him as an edge, Keith. Ooh, okay, I don't view okay. him as an right, edge. Right, let's talk, man. Let's no, talk. no, I don't view him as an edge. Uh, at least not the not the edge that we think about, right? We love these guys. They they're gonna they can rush from the rush from off the edge and truly win from off the edge. Will Anderson, all those guys, right? For, besides Tommy, Tommy, which I think Tommy can do it, but like like Tyree Wilson, I think Tyree Wilson is more of a Three tag. I think he's more of a defensive, like a defensive tackle. Reduced inside. His best reps to me, Keith, is coming when he's playing head up to the guard, and that speed, that power, and that arm length is at, at his disposal, and he has the advantage over those guys. You, you very rarely see him like really rush off the edge and win around the corner, and, and especially playing NFL tackles, man. Like you know, no disrespect to the Big Twelve, but that tackle talent. You know, discrepancy. Oh, it's large, baby. Going from the, from the Big 12 and beating those guys to going to the NFL is a different beast. So, I personally think that he's more of an interior defensive lineman where you can get some, uh, some Calais Campbell type of like reduced inside stuff with him. Got guys like that where you just allow him to be physically dominant against shorter arm guards and centers rather than having him go up against tackles that arm length. Now, I think his arm length is still. Probably be bigger than some tackles, but still, I think he's more of an interior defensive lineman than, than edge because he doesn't win a ton off the edge. He wins more so inside. Keith. No,
1: nah, I agree. I agree, man. The next, the next thing that I see, and I'm like, ah, Fowler, come on, we got to talk about this, man. <laughs> is Derrick Hall sitting at number nine? Talk I think to when him. Talk about a, a, a edge rusher. His functional strength is it surpasses most guys in this class, right? And I know the sack production and trying to get there. Look, he gets there on film, right? Like he gets to the quarterback on film. He is very productive and a guy, like what works in the NFL is the ability to convert speed to power. You have to physically overwhelm people and Derek Hall has that ability. Do I think he can work on the nuances and the details of becoming an even more high level edge rusher? Yes, that's why I'm buying in. I think Derek Hall for me, well, I know when I drop my top 10, this guy is going to be In the top five, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't have him at number nine. Um, if I could say one other thing, DP, the other thing is, where's Byron Young, man? Tennessee's Byron Young. That I I would, I would swap out, I would swap out Will McDonald easily Mm, for Tennessee's Byron Young. I, I like Byron Young, I like the explosiveness. He tested well. You see it on film. The guy, you know, has really good upside. I think he could be a hand in the ground or a stand up edge rusher.
0: Keith, I'm gonna tell you right now, man, for me. It's number six. Lucas Van Ness got to drop him down, baby. You know what I mean? I'm dropping him down till about ten. Um, I know that he he, he looks the part. Keith, he, he's big. He's physical. He's strong. Got the long arm. Like we saw him in Indy, man. He looks the part, right? He looks good. But you talk about like hand counters and the nuances. This is young man that he talked about. He said, "Man, the year before I played inside. I wasn't supposed to play outside this year, but they moved him outside. So he's." Like behind the eight ball in terms of his development as an edge rusher and and really winning off the corner without using just pure long arm speed to power. So I, I look at who's behind him and BJ Ojulari, Derek Hall, like those two guys to me are are better edge rushers by far than 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 what I see what I've seen from Lucas Van Ness because when you go up against a guy like DeWan Jones and he said it in Indy. It wasn't Peter Skoronsky. It wasn't Paris Johnson who was the best tackle we faced. It was Dewan Jones. Well, Keith wonder why it was Dewan Jones. Cause you what? can't run through Dewan Jones. You can <laughs> run through Paris Johnson a little bit if you get into his into his frame. You can get through uh, Peter Skoronsky, but Jawan Jones is 6'8 380, baby. You're not doing that. You gotta be able to have other counters to manipulate and move him. And because your game is so power-based and only power-based right now, because of your lack of experience on the edge. Yeah, six is high because, like, bro, that that's 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 some that's just too rich Ooh. for my blood. Okay, gotcha I have a
1: question. But do you see the upside though? Like, is there upside there to where when you look at them? Because th- this is how I feel about this edge, crash, D P. Like, outside of maybe five to six guys, it's a group of guys where the potential is there and there is minimal production, right? Like you betting on, hoping that this guy puts it all together. So from that perspective, right, because we've seen Lucas Van Ness everywhere from like a top 10 prospect, right, to top of the second round. So high variance player depending on what you're buying into. So when you see other people put him in the top 10 of, you know, NFL draft, do you see the things that are there to buy in? Or are you like, you know what, even with that, I still see a cap on it.
0: No, I, I see the upside, Keith, for sure. I definitely see the upside, but it's just like, man, like his, even his, his his snaps, like it's it's so much lim- like it's very limited in turn, not just the production, but the playing time. You know what I'm saying? He never started the whole time he was there. Like they they played the upperclassmen, but then okay, for me, it's like, all right if he hits his ceiling, but if Derek Carr hits his ceiling. Who you know, what I'm saying who's who's higher for me. I think Derek Hall more explosive got the long got the same type of long arm power that that speed the power is already there and the guy is already working on his hand counters that you could see in flashes and games where I'm watching game to game with Lucas Van Ness and I just see a bull rusher just a bull in the China shop that doesn't really know what else to do besides duck his head and throw those arms into you and try to run you over. So I think like right now and BJ Ojulari, explosive bendy off the edge. I'm like, man, that's hard. That's a hard sell to, because I don't even think B.J. Ojulari is a finished product. You know what I'm saying? No, so not, it's like, no. I, I see the, I see those two type, those two guys, and I'm like, Lucas Van Ness, who, and the other question I have, Keith, I don't know if he's going to play edge in the NFL. Like, I think teams are going to reduce him down to a three tech, kind of how Iowa did in 2021, and let them rush ahead of guards. I question if he's even gonna rush that much off the edge, right? Like this isn't like a Aiden Hutchinson type. I think if you get the the ceiling for him, if you can get get him there, he played for the Commanders, and I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. He's retired now.
1: Ryan Kerrigan. Uh,
0: yes, I think if if, if you can get, because you know you got to get him comfortable standing up in the two point stance. Ryan Kerrigan can play out of four point, three point, or two point stance. He was just an underrated beast to me, and I think if you can if you can get him to that ceiling. Good, but I don't know if he's going to get the exposure at edge to develop as a true edge rusher. I think teams are going to play him more so inside,
1: Keith. Okay, so that's another guy, him and Tyree Wilson, you think of both guys that probably more on a, a hybrid list as far as yeah. defensive alignment versus true edge and, and the, the best usage of them is rushing the passer right like your better yeah. usage or you're gonna find your best high level play against the run for sure controlling okay. gaps and things like that which i mean that's understandable man i still have to dive all the way into lucas van ness uh but the tyree wilson point i i agree with you 100 percent. but dp listen man we just talked about moving guys around right putting them in the right situation what the coaches need to do so you know what's coming up next man Our will coach them up segment when we find the guys and we like listen I don't want to hear all the crazy stuff. Just take this guy, drafted <laughs> him, and we want you to coach him up. So coming up next, man, is the new segment, Coach Him Up. Coach Him Up, Keith. We got some develop, some guys that they have game, but
0: the coaches just got to get them to where they need to be. Let's kick it off. Who, who you got for Coach Him Up?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I have a rather a high stake name, but I don't know if anyone's talking about this guy in his life, and that's Arkansas's linebacker Drew Sanders. So let me give you a quick, quick tidbit, right? So obviously my time at LSU, you know, recruiting and everything, Drew Sanders, he was, I think, at Denton Ryan High School in Texas, right? So obviously, you know, we recruit Texas, we recruit states close. And this guy was an edge rusher in high school. He committed to Alabama, played edge rusher, Right. This was his first year playing stackbacker. So what I'm saying is the coach, in my perspective, when I draft this guy, I'm not drafting him just to be a stack linebacker. I'm drafting him to be an edge rusher. I think I mentioned this before. Like he reminds me of those Steelers linebackers, those Joey Porters, those James Ferriers, you know, like those guys back in the day that can do multiple different things. So he he, he just... Man, I, I I can't watch him without thinking about him being in a Steelers uniform. And the Steelers need a linebacker <laughs> also. So you need those versatile edge guys that they also play stackbacker. The New England Patriots, right? Like they do a lot of different things in the past with Dante Hightower and Brandon Spikes, and you know you could continue to go down the list. Um, I think that Drew Sanders fits that mold. And so I'm like, here, take him, coach him up, and you could get a solid stackbacker. But I want you to coach this guy up to where he's a reliable edge rusher also.
0: I I like that Keith and you know just you know recently both of us recently um well you've watched them before and I'm really really was able to dive into him recently and I, and I I agree 100% with you. I I love Drew Sanders and what he could become. So now I coach him up for sure. For me man it's, it's I'm sticking with the linebackers, Keith and that's a uh, linebacker from Texas, DeMarvin Overshone. Man, a, a, a converted yeah. safety to, to line I mean, your guys in your region. You know what I mean? you know, with with Texas and man, I, you know, turn on the tape, Keith, and you know, the first game I watched, I wanted to see how you handled the top tier type of talent and competition at Alabama when they played in twenty twenty two and Keith I was impressed with that tape. I saw a guy that mm. you could play him at the will if you want. you can play him at Sam. You can walk him up on tight ends on, on you know if you got him backed into their own into their own territory in his running formations and he can block shed he can blitz off blitz through the a gap he can rush off the edge and you can drop him off in the coverage Keith. and I feel like the main thing with him is just coaching him up for his eyes because we as we know playing safety. The the reading everything you got more time because it takes time for the offense to get back to you right. But oh. when you get when you move a, a a a phase closer a level closer right. And I remember I you talked we talked about Isaiah Simmons. You always talk about Isaiah Simmons with hybrid defenders. And Isaiah Simmons talked about how. Arizona were moving from stackbacker backer to, to edge rusher to out three, four outside linebacker last the past two years. And he said, man, it was different for me trying to defend the run. Cause the closer I got, the quicker things happen. And it was like, yeah, yeah like you're right season. there.
1: Yeah. Exactly. You, you You're right there on the ball. Decisions, and that's the underrated aspect of moving safeties to linebacker and underrated linebacker play that you have to understand some something, something that took you two and a half seconds and you had nothing but time to do. Now you have one and a half seconds to where you have now you have a 320 pound offensive lineman on you. Right. So you definitely have to make those decisions a lot no. quicker. One hundred percent.
0: I just want you know, from the coach, I'm telling the coach, hey, you got to get him into the film room. You got to work with his eyes. Got to work with his discipline so that he can be slow until you know. Because Keith, you you know this. It's it's such a it's a fine line of being patient with the slow till you know, and then being. Like a slow processor, so you know what no. I'm saying, Cause like you said, those big guards they're looking to get up there and grabbing hold of you as a linebacker and and sealing you. So I think that's a that's a big thing is just coaching him up and getting him to where he diagnoses plays quicker that he's able to read and locate the football quicker and just be as sound as possible. Uh, with his processing, because everything else is there, Keith. A young man that came from safety to playing linebacker, one of the first things you really think about is, can you match the physicality in in the trenches, in the box? And watching him on tape this week, I really feel like he's He welcomes, he embraced that physicality, especially in that Alabama game. So I think those things coming around for him, now you got to get those eyes, man. You got to get those pupils and that mind. Everything clicking on all cylinders to where you really have you. uh, uh, To me, he could become a top uh, top tier type of playmaker at the second level for NFL defense. So, guys, listen, that is our show, man. We, we coach him up, we talked about the Patriots we'll see what happens with Mac Jones, man, for sure, but we always thank you all so much for making locked on NFL draft your first listen every day Monday through Friday. We appreciate all the love and all you know all the love you guys show us. you know, definitely, as we always tell you, go subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest episode as soon as it's available. Um, so listen for tomorrow's show. We got more coming for you. Can't really give a quick tease on it, but we have some more for you. You know what I mean? What what we watching over the weekend? What players on tap? You know what I mean? Because we are still in cross checks as we get closer and closer to the 2023 NFL Draft class. On Twitter for Keith Sanchez, you can find me at the Talent Code. I'm Damian Parson, DP underscore NFL. Come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.